2: Welcome back to the second hour of Turning Hard Times into Good good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I want to thank our sponsors for the second hour for making the show economically viable. They are Timmins Gold, Paramount Gold, Sand Gold, and Uranium Energy Corp. Well, I just learned that Dr. Suzanne Zettner of All-in-One Preparedness cannot be with us right now. Uh, however, Eric Radez, a spokesman for that company, will be with us uh, later today at about 4.30. However, I am very pleased to have with me David Gerwitz. David serves as the Managing Director of Charles Nanner Research. He is responsible for working directly with clients to assess the markets and has been working hand-in-hand with cycles forecaster Charles Nanner for almost a decade. The uh, email-based service that uh, they provide at Charles Nanner Research uh, provides unique analysis of stocks, bonds, currencies, uh, commodities, economic indicators, (coughs) excuse me, as managing director, David speaks regularly with clients worldwide—hedge funds, family offices, uh, pension funds, brokers, and private individuals. <coughs> Excuse me. David uh, is uh, has a J.D. degree, an M.B.A., and a C.P.A. He graduated from Brandeis University before obtaining an M.B.A. from N.Y.U. and David worked uh, in merchant banking just prior to joining uh, Charles Nanner. Uh, like Charles, David shares a love of music. Uh, he is an avid composer and pianist, uh, and is a sought after speaker in the media and at conferences. So we're really pleased to have David Gerwitz with us today. Thank you for joining me, David.
3: Thank you, Jay. It's really my honor. I've been a fan of yours for many years since we met at the Gold Conference many years ago.
2: Well, thank you. That's, it's really nice to hear that. Uh, before we get started on, on things financial, can you tell our listeners a little about your love of music? What instruments? Well, I guess you're a pianist. I just, right. I just said that.
3: Right. Anyone listening, go to www.davidgerwitz.com and turn your speakers up. Okay. <laughs> I'm a concert pianist, composer. I do most of my concerts for benefits. The one you'll see on the sh- on the site is for the Special Olympics, which is really my love. Oh. I find, yeah, amazing people that run that organization. May, mm-hmm. Maybe people in the organization is three million athletes all over the world. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was an athlete, as I told you, and from mm-hmm. playing basketball and taking a math course and the professor said there's a Fibonacci sequence which relates to Charles, I'll tell you in a second. I ran down to the music building because he showed a keyboard where there's a there are 13 keys in a octave, eight white, five black, three and two and that's a Fibonacci sequence mm-hmm. and huh. ran down to the music building of Brandeis University in 1973 or four, I don't remember. And I had dribbled the basketball a million times at that point, put my hand down, and I had it in my hands. I'd been a disc jockey, but I didn't know at the time my mother had played in Carnegie Hall, which
4: she huh. was younger. Uh-huh.
3: So uh, since then, I somehow developed a career of... Composing and uh, my music is used all over the world for hospitals to help kids who are about to have surgery need less drugs because it calms people it changes brain waves. I have no idea. I can't read music. I just play what I like and oh. uh, let the listeners
2: decide. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, yeah. they do say that uh, you know there is a connection there between music and mathematics. Oh, I've for heard sure. Uh, for sure. And so well, you just uh, you just uh, you just talked I just about that. it
3: And anyway, yeah. I met Charles and he told me he did what he did and he's. I think the best in the world, and I had been a basketball player. a knew Red Auerbach, who put the whole Celtics together, and mm-hmm. a bit of a. I'm a bit of a sports fan, so I appreciate putting talent together. I think Charles is one of the most talented people I've ever met in my life, on many levels. And so he told me one of the things he uses is the Fibonacci. Is the Elliot
4: mm-hmm.
3: Fibonacci. We had something in common, and then of course he's a phenomenal musician, great singer. As you can see on the site, he sounds like Tony Bennett. He trained with Yitzhak Stern violin when he was nine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's one of those, you know?
2: Wow, yeah. Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, tell us a little bit about Charles um, Nanner and his... his, uh, Give us a little bit about his history, his background. He's he's been a very successful trader, I believe.
3: Well, more advice. We don't manage money, Mm -hmm. and we don't broker. We just give advice. Let me talk about a topic. You're one of the most known in the world, which is gold. Right. Uh-huh. He just said last week, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, after keeping people out of gold for fifteen, eighteen months, I think it was sixteen months ago when gold to nineteen hundred, he said we were out for a while. He gave a target of fifteen thirty nine. It hit fifteen thirty nine Friday.
2: This right? yeah, this past Friday.
3: And so hit his target. Right? And now he still doesn't want to go longer because cycles are bottoming but they haven't bottomed yet, but don't be short. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that have been agonizing holding gold and gold stocks, which
5: mm-hmm.
4: you
3: know better than I. Oh, boy. More than one person. The <laughs> end is almost over. But doesn't mean it's going to jump up so fast, and the gold stocks don't look like they're going to move much. No. Whereas gold will, according mm-hmm. to him. And so anyway, so that's the shorter-term version of what he just called in gold. But his system is based all on math. And all assumes that repeating patterns are going to repeat, no matter what happens. It's basically no free choice, which is kind of hard for people to emotionally accept.
2: Sort of like the Elliot. It's the uh, the Elliot wave is like that. Well,
3: the Elliott wave is a, Let's hold that aside. It's really very little that he uses. He looks at it, but he believes in cycles. He mm-hmm. was in medical school, and professor. I like to tell the story when professor said more doctors are put on during full moons because more women give birth, and it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Fact. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it, but it makes sense. Then when the do- professor said people get admitted to insane asylums all around the world, which I guess we're all <laughs> ready to be committed, he couldn't understand that, and then the professor said Mr. Mr. Nenner, he wasn't Dr. Nenner yet, which he is, um, not during a full moon. We don't understand why. And he started to look into patterns, and then he came to New York and didn't knew nothing about the stock market and wound up finding patterns in stocks after watching a guy on TV say IBM went up because of this. It was actually Neil Cavuto of all people mm-hmm. 30 years ago. And Charles said, how do you know IBM went up because of that? He doesn't buy any of the news saying it happened because of this. Yeah, He called Apple four months ago at the top. Everyone else was wrong. He said, what do I know? He said, I just cycles the topic. Cycles from the Greek word circle are repeating equidistant top-to-tops in any data series. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it doesn't matter whether it's stocks. Or bonds, or commodities, or currencies. He he just wrote yesterday, and anybody listening, please write in to the site, com and say you heard me on the show when you get a free look for a month or so. Good. I'll send you what he sent yesterday, mm-hmm. saying, you know, he called this bond rally, and everyone couldn't understand why government was going to stop buying bonds, etc., So he doesn't trust himself as much as he trusts what the numbers are saying and the repeating patterns, and he doesn't try and say because bonds and stocks. He doesn't try and connect up the dots. He says there are people smarter than him at doing that, Mm -hmm. although I don't agree. I think he's really good at that, but he says I just take each particular category separately, and the same algorithm governs everything, whether it's stocks, whether it's bonds, whether it's commodities, whether it's currencies. doesn't Mm -hmm. like commodities now. Gold is a separate case, silver is a separate case, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: but crude, well, cycles are up, he doesn't really like it, crude stocks, longer term, yes, and therefore the currencies related such as the Canadian and the Aussie, longer term, good, not now and then the dollar, well, I know you're going to ask me this and I have to go soon as you know, the dollar is going to not, it's going to be down a little now, rally in the summer and then next year really starts its descent.
2: It's going to start its descent. Yeah, next year. Uh-huh.
3: And then when he says, look and put yourself in China's position, although cycles predict this, that they have bonds denominated in dollars, rates will start to go up for the next 25 years as they've been down the last 25 years. And prior to that, they were up for the last 30 years. So it's kind of a 60-year cycle in bond rates, therefore bond prices. So when, when bond when interest rates start to go up, and the dollar starts to go down. The bonds that is holding, they're not going to be too happy with. They're going to start dumping. And a bit of a mess will appear. And that might kick gold further up. But that's not what he focuses on. He just says he sees 2,200 of gold at some point not happening tomorrow. But it's certainly not going to go down much more, he doesn't think.
2: Okay, so he takes each of these, each of these markets separately. He doesn't right. try to understand the intertwined.
3: Right, he doesn't. He claims he, nobody can. Mm-hmm. That's him. And he. I, I have mean, not agree with him, but that's a separate thing. And he just so he, so. Anyone writing in, please write to the site, and we'll let you look at the research. We cover stocks, bonds, commodities, currencies. We cover the Canadian. We cover the Indian markets. You know, we have clients all over the world. Like you said at the beginning of the show,
2: we have every type of client. You know. Um, you you cover an incredible number of markets. Yeah, I, I, I think but it's I've the seen
3: same the, computer system. That's the whole point. I <laughs> mean, it's, probably, it's uh, a fast system. A lot of lines of code. A lot of money.
2: I mean, I'm looking here at your the, – the The weekend missive came out. You have home builders, yeah. for example. How does yeah, he see? Yeah, topping means all of them all. He, he thinks they're topping. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's and, had a good run yeah they 've had the a good case. run, but you know as again uh, I know this isn 't his thing, but as one who looks at fundamentals not so much technicals, I have to right. say that recently i 've come across some research that suggests that to a great extent the the rise in housing prices uh, is more uh, a function of the the bad mortgages that have been withheld—some eighty percent of the mortgages—the banks are simply not putting out there. They're withholding the supply to keep the price mm-hmm. up. So it, it wouldn't surprise me, but I mean, of course, uh, Charles, me you a quick
3: story Charles. Let yeah. me go. We mm-hmm. to do this again, Jay. I Hope you don't mind. We can do this again. Well, I hope question. so. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I've
2: got to fit it into the schedule. Obviously, lots of like, different people. But I guess I'll you've give got you an a,
3: example when something happens, and then they say it's because A, and then B. What Charles says, he looks for a cycle top, and then he says, no, the cycle was topping, and then A had to happen. Mm -hmm. He reverses the normal thinking of cause and effect, which, by the way, is the essence of something known as quantum physics. But I don't want to get into that now. <laughs> well, I don't think right. we have
2: time to get into that. I think we'll you, have to, time, maybe, well, right? you, you have to catch a flight from Toronto.
3: I have to catch Toronto. a flight, right? Going up to Canada. I'll be on TV tomorrow at CBC. Uh-huh. And I have a lot of Canadian clients, and at least they speak a language I somewhat understand. So I'm going to go.
2: So so the, so the before I let you go, the yeah. uh, Charles' top pick here, his uh, his top target, I should say, for gold, 2200 But he doesn't have a time frame for no,
3: it. No, right. It could go much higher after, but he's not sure. Sure, and that's, if they monetize, he does see long, long term, eight years down the road, the Dow's 5,000, after which there's an incredible stock rally. It's a long, long term. Hard for people to get their hands around that. I yeah, understand. for sure. But he did take everyone out of gold in 1900. I'll give you one more story. Like, you know, you see, Jay, I, I told you, you know, it's hard to get. You're a good interviewer. We have a client that gave money to a big hedge fund. Rich guy. We have mm-hmm. again. They don't give money to us. We don't want it. We don't manage it. But we advise people of all mm-hmm. sorts of types how to think because mm-hmm. we don't care whether they're rich or not, whether they're super rich or not. Apple tops for them. like it tops for everybody else. Sure. So we said to him, "I think you should get out of gold." He gave money to a big hedge fund that had a lot of gold position. He told that guy, Charles said, "Gold stop," and guy didn't listen. They lost a lot of money.
4: <laughs> there
3: you
2: go. Yeah. Well, listen anyway, before. But anyway. one one more thing before I let you go. In okay. the weekend missive, there was uh, talking about TLT used as yeah. the uh, you know for the bond for the long bond the twenty right. plus year. Long bond, and uh, you know, you're saying that basically it was it was telling the story. I think maybe you alluded to this a minute ago. It was really t- saying it was predicting uh, when the Fed would, would exactly stop, uh, stop QE. Right. Exactly. So, so you're seeing an end to QE. Is that what this is
6: telling you?
3: I, that I don't know. I just know bonds are up until August. TLT is up to August. Uh-huh. Whatever the the, the the actions are, will follow the cycles.
2: So we should be long TLT uh, yeah. up until August. Is well, what it's you... a
3: short-term top soon, and he gives targets. Everyone should write to the site so they can watch it and yeah. see. It's not so simple. And,
2: and that site again is?
3: CharlesNenner.com
2: charlesnennard.com that's Right. I just say they listen to me on the show and, uh... and, and that's spelled N-E-N-N-E-R I believe right or...
3: thank you so much Jay very I much. greatly good. appreciate
2: it. look forward to our next one well thank you very much for being with me my pleasure uh, that's, that's all the time uh, not all the time I have but all the time David we'll do it again it look now, so... we're two
3: New York kids so we oh, gotta, we gotta alright we well I wish I
2: could say I'm still a kid David
3: if you keep saying it long enough you might convince yourself
2: yeah and anyway thank you very much for coming on our show pleasure and I look forward to talking to you you again very soon. Bye-bye. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back with our next (laughs) guest.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to underlying problems. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Well, we just heard from Chris Martinson earlier in today's show, and he's convinced that we're facing some very difficult times ahead of us, uh, both in the financial markets and in our daily lives. And Dmitry Orlov, who we had the week before, talked about uh, the five stages of collapse, that he believes that we are in the early stages, and Western Europe in the second stage of collapse. But it begins with the financial market decline, and with that financial market decline, then ultimately the the uh, shelves and the stores become uh, become depleted, uh, and we of course have seen some of that happening in Greece uh, at this uh, so far since the European crisis erupted. And uh, we also heard last week from Ellen Brown, who outlined why the banking system is in collapse mode. Uh, and it is, uh, again, it's that collapsing banking financial system that Dmitry Orlov says sets the stage for bigger problems ahead that start to affect us not only our bank accounts but our very daily, daily lives. And the depletion of the kind of necessities we need uh... from the store shelves is is a big concern and of course also the fact that people don't have money to buy the things that are on the store shelves all of these are concerns that i think are rational concerns and and whether or not you buy those ideas or not whether or not you buy Dmitry Orloff's uh, notion that we are heading into a collapse one thing is for sure we do have from time to time uh... natural disasters uh, living here in New York City as I do, we, uh, remember very vividly last fall, the natural disaster, the hurricane that we had that was, that wrecked havoc and took lives and, and was really a very big problem for quite a while. So, uh, we want to be prepared as much as possible and I believe that it always makes sense to, to be prepared, uh, and also to be as educated as you can be on how to be prepared and also, uh, to be you know, to realize that there are potential problems out there. Well, I happen to believe it's a high probability that we're going to have the kind of problems that uh, Ellen Brown, Dmitry Orloff, and Chris Martinson are warning us about. Many other people in this show have warned us about. But let's say you don't buy that at all. Let's just say you think that's a, you know, a lot of alarmist uh, rhetoric. Well, we do know that natural disasters happen. So I am r- really glad to have with me today Eric Ridez of All-in-One Preparedness. Welcome,
7: Eric. Thanks, Jay. It's great to be here.
2: Good to have you. We just want you to come on today and talk a little bit about all-in-one preparedness. Uh, and uh, you, uh, you can actually access that by going to Jay Taylor Media. That's j-a-y-t-a-y-l-o-r media.com. And if you do that, uh, you can get yourself a 5% discount on the items that are sold, uh, in all-in-one preparedness. Well, Eric, tell us a little bit about what you have for sale there as I look at the website right now um... you you know you've got food uh... ready reserve foods at uh, on the right hand corner it's talking about um... food you know most of the food that we consume in in the taylor household is uh, perishable we go to the grocery store every week and we put it in the freezer or in the refrigerator and it's store you know it's that's that's what we consume but obviously, if you're going to store food for some emergency at some undetermined time in the future, uh, you need to have non-perishable foods. Uh, you supply that at All-in-One Preparedness?
7: Yeah, we, we supply a full line of dehydrated and freeze-dried foods, and, and most of the items uh, that are sold underneath the, both of those types uh, have a 27-year shelf life, which wow. is a, a really long time. Wow,
2: that's that's incredible, and I, uh, I I believe that probably because they're maybe sealed in a vacuum or something like that. they it's it's the packaging of it that makes that possible, I guess.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, the, the packaging and the process. You know, our our dehydrated line is provided by uh, Ready Reserve Foods, and um, they're out of California. They have a great facility out there and they do have a really special can that they put all their freeze-dried foods in. They're they're double-lined steel cans made here in the United States and they actually have an enamel inlay in there that that keeps the food protected. Mm -hmm. Well I know that
2: uh, I have sampled Mrs. Taylor and I have sampled the all-in-one preparedness uh, a couple of food items uh, a year or two ago uh, and they were quite good and actually not only were they quite good but the price of those food items was very comparable to what you would pay in the store. As I remember, we had some beef stroganoff, we had some applesauce, mashed potatoes, and quite good for sure. But now, Eric, let me ask you this. You've got these dehydrated foods. You're going to also have to have uh, some sort of power source to cook them, right? You're going to have to have some some gas or some na- I mean, how you're not just going to take the powdered because the potatoes, for example, were powdered. I mean, you gotta—I don't know how do you prepare them. you, you can't. You, you have to. You have to cook the stroganoff, or you have to warm it up at
7: least, right? Several of the food items uh, that we carry, such as um, some of the, the vegetables, um, don't require any cooking. They only require rehydration with water. But, mm. but mm-hmm. like you said, there are quite a few items that that do actually require you to boil them for a, a small amount of time uh, just to reconstitute it and to cook it slightly. Mm-hmm. And the, the, those products will require uh, a, a heat source. Typically would, you know, would would come from having a generator hooked to your house would be the, the most ideal situation, and that's something that we also have for mm-hmm. sale at all-in-one preparedness.
2: Yeah, you do. Uh, and, and generators, though, I do know that they're, uh, for example, in New York City, I know it's difficult. There's restrictions against having oil and gas or you know those those fuels in large amounts. So I guess it's probably there's some variation in terms of the what you're allowed to do in different jurisdictions. Is that your understanding?
7: Yeah, every, every community has their own set of regulations, and we always do advise anybody that buys a generator from us to con- to confirm their local laws prior to any purchase of a generator.
2: Yeah, and as I look at your website, I see Generac is a name uh, you know, that uh, is very recognizable. Generac is, uh, I guess, your source of uh, generators?
7: Yes, they are, they're out of Wisconsin, and uh, we're really proud to be one of the few distributors of that particular generator in the United States.
2: And you, uh, so you mentioned water. A lot of your items, uh, you need to have water to just mix with the vegetables. How do you store water for an emergency?
7: There are several ways that you can do it. Um, probably the most reasonably priced way to do it, honestly, is just to save your one-gallon uh, milk jugs, rinse them out, and fill them up. Um, that's a really simple way. Some people go to the extent of uh, actually filling up a bathtub prior to any sort of natural disaster occurring. But uh, you know, there's there's several ways that you can that you can store food, uh, water uh, in, mm-hmm. in the case of an emergency.
2: Yeah, well we, uh, we we certainly did that, Eric. I can tell you that Mrs. Taylor and I filled up our bathtub. We filled up every container we could think of when we found that we were out that we were getting a hurricane. Fortunately we didn't get hit that hard, we didn't need to use it. But I I think there's some concerns. I mean, if people want to save water and put it away for a long period of time, uh sometimes some of the containers may not be that healthy. So I guess I guess the advice might be to to what, uh replenish the water supply from time to time.
7: Yeah, absolutely. We do offer a complete line of both, uh, you know, day-style personal water filtration systems where, you know, you could even go, like, up to it, it pretty much any stream or pond or creek or mud puddle that you can see when you look out of your house right now and put one of these in there, and it would pump out potable water just with a few primes of a pump.
2: Hmm. Oh, it's a... Uh uh, so there's there. Are, I mean, I would encourage people to go to All-in-One Preparedness. You can, of course, Google it, or you can go to com And there is a. If you do go in and, and decide to buy some items here, uh, you need to put in a code, which is Taylor13. I believe is that right, Eric?
7: Yeah, Taylor13. That is the code that will get you your five percent discount when placing an order.
2: And I would uh, also just mention, though, that. uh Another emergency item that you want to have in place is some communication uh, equipment or technology. Do you sell some radios or some, some ways to communicate with the uh, with the outside world?
7: Yes we actually carry a really nice radio that's um, it's known as the Eaton uh, it's actually a hand crank radio mm-hmm. that's you will never have to put a battery in. It has a flashlight built into it. Um, it's it's a great piece. We do carry that. It's called the Eaton Scorpion.
2: Yeah, and there's other things too. I mean, the best thing for people to do is go to this website and check it out. I see you have uh, medical emergencies, blankets, uh, things like that that you're going to need uh, in time of uh, in in time of an emergency. Uh, I think that uh, it just makes good sense. Uh, whether or not you again, whether or not you buy this notion that we are inevitably heading towards very difficult times, I unfortunately believe that is the case uh, but let's say that I'm just you know a crazy old crank and there's nothing to that uh, natural disasters happen in mean, the Mormon church for example uh, recommends that their people have food and and all these sort of basic necessities to go out a number of years or, or into the future so it's very important I think it, it makes good sense and um, is there anything else you'd like to add Eric before we uh, finish our conversation today
7: well, I just you know like to say you know number one, thank you for uh, having us on your show today, jay and um the the size of the the amount of food that you need to store in your house to be safe uh just to give an average person the idea of how much food uh would would it take to mm-hmm. last an entire year. Uh, a, a whole supply of dehydrated food for one person would takes up a space two feet by three feet wow and five feet tall wow so, so basically about the size of your refrigerator would be enough for for two people to survive for an entire year
2: wow that's uh that, I guess that 's because it 's so concentrated uh, it 's dehydrated and so you take the water out of these out of the dehydrated food and it takes this, the volume away. 2 by 3 by 5 about the size of a refrigerator for one year supply. That's that's amazing that you could pack one year of food in that small space. Well I I I want to thank you very much Eric for coming on today and if there's uh, anything else that you want to talk about
7: I'd just like to uh, ensure everybody that uh, you know, we, our website is powered through the Amazon Web Store system, and that what that does is that provides all of our customers with uh, an extreme amount of security and confidentiality with their orders. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to
2: know, too. Very good. All right. Well, thank you very much, Eric, for, for being with us, and um, we'll look forward to talking to you again sometime in the not-too-distant future. So uh, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Jay. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back uh, with our next guest.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business
6: Network. Windfall profits happen frequently in gold exploration stocks, but the risk of losses are also common. Miranda Gold enhances prospects of shareholder gains by combining the intellectual capital of geologists, minefinders Ken Cunningham and Joe Herbert with other people's hard dollars in search for elephant-sized gold deposits in politically safe places like Nevada and Columbia. That keeps shareholder dilution to a minimum, so when discoveries are made, major gains are possible. For more, go to MirandaGold.com. Bravada Gold Corporation controls 18 exploration and development properties covering nearly 50 square miles in Nevada's well-known gold trends. Its flagship Wind Mountain Gold Silver Project is 100% owned and had an independent updated resource estimate and positive preliminary economic assessment in early 2012. This past September, Bravada signed an agreement with Argonaut Gold to further explore and develop Wind Mountain. For further information, please visit BravadaGold.com.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me today an old friend, and I do mean an old friend, Al Corlin. <laughs> Al is a, Al is the host of a wonderful radio show called the Corlin Economics Report, and uh, we're just having a little fun with each other. We like to poke, it, poke at each other now and then. We're both uh, pretty much the same age, and we're not spring chickens. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Welcome, Al. It's really good to have you back. Hey, Jay
5: thank you so much for having
2: me really good to have you uh, the the website let's get this out of the way right away so everybody hears it probably a, a good number of you already know about Al Corlin's show uh, it's the the ke report is ke right al correct ke report well al, that's it uh, yep. tell, tell us um, who, who are some of the guests that you've had on recently I know you have a lot of exciting guests on your show as well who are who are some of the stars that you've had on there recently?
5: Oh, you know, everybody's a star, I guess, in this world. The thing that I'm perhaps the most excited about is that Jeff Dice, who is a mutual friend of both of ours, uh, has joined me as a co-host on the show. He typically will come in and do, oh, the better portion of the second hour of our weekend show. He, as you know, as everyone I'm sure is aware, is Ron Paul, Congressman Ron Paul's chief of staff. We have a lot of really interesting folks on the show, pretty much the same as you guys, you know, the boys from Casey Research, the, the fellows from Sprott etc it's it's uh it's a venue where we have a lot of fun you know we have we've changed our venue and so we changed our i guess our clock our clock for lack of better terms in the sense that our show is a two-hour weekend show uh that that airs on saturdays and sundays depending on the city that you're in but instead of having a whole uh, a whole bunch of little vignettes for lack of better terms you know eight nine minute segments we now have we devote the entire first hour to one topic and the entire second hour to another topic and we generally keep the 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 guests down to maybe two or three so people can really really get into and hear what these folks have to say in depth and it's working pretty well
2: yeah so your format is not a lot different than mine than al because no. <clears throat> also we uh you know spend up, upwards to a half an hour sometimes more with each guest <clears throat> excuse me um so. Um Jeff Dice is there, and that's that's really good news. Uh, you also, I know you have had Bob Moriarty on your show from time to time, right? He's one guest I've never had that I know you have.
5: Bob is on the show fairly frequently. Bobby's a good friend. We've we've known Bob for probably a dozen or so years. Very controversial guy, uh, but you know it's it's interesting in the sense when I say controversial, I, I really ought to use the word opinionated. He's a very opinionated man, but he uh, he's pretty hard to catch slipping. Up, he's pretty confident, and very has some just a, a host of facts right at his fingertips. He's a, he, you know, he's an interesting guy. He brought up something he was on the show last weekend, uh, and then again on Monday we had a, we did a daily editorial, and we were talking about some of the false rumors, for lack of better terms, that appear to be shooting around. Uh, you know, the U.S. Anyway, one of them being that. The the federal government has the ability to scoop your bank account, which uh, after I did some research on it, Jeff did some research on it, Bob did some research on it. It turns out that you know that's kind of a that's really kind of a false a false statement. <laughs> I know that uh, a, a mutual, I, I believe a cause, I I think I can't remember. So I I can't remember who it was that came out you know with that headline in their newsletter, but uh, it. it clearly was a false headline that the government at this point in time doesn't have the ability to scoop your the, your money out of your bank account. But who's to say? I mean, look at what happened in Cyprus, right, Jay?
2: Yeah, I think that uh, governments, uh, if, if they follow the law, they don't have the right to do that. If they followed the law, we would still have gold and silver as money. If they followed the law, we wouldn't go to wars without Congress declaring them. But, uh, but I can tell you this, Al, that um, Jim Sinclair sent out a missive earlier today and documenting, and this would go along with what Ellen Brown told us on this show last week, um, that in fact, the powers that be, the powers behind the throne, if you will, are in fact getting ready to do exactly that, to scoop our bank accounts.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, there's a list of, um, this is just a list of signatories to recommendation 10. National authorities should adopt, this is, this is coming from, uh from, well, it's uh, members of the cross-border bank resolution group. Uh, yeah. but there's a whole host of the Swiss Financial Market Supervisory Authority, uh, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, Argentina National Bank of Belgium, uh, Central Bank du Brazil, uh, the Bank of Italy, the Bank of Japan, uh, the Euro, the, the Eurozone, uh, the Bank of New York, it just goes on in the Bank of England, uh, all of these, um, are a huge number of these, uh, Secretary of the Basel Committee on Banking Supervision, and they say national authorities should adopt crisis management and resolution strategies that reduce moral hazard in minimizing public expenditures. Losses should be allocated among the shareholders and other creditors where possible, and private sector resolutions rather than public ownership should be facilitated. and It goes on and on, this whole recommendation 10 that all these major institutions signed on to. and As Ellen Brown pointed out last week, what people don't seem to realize is when they put the money in the bank, they're not really the owners of that money anymore. The bank is the legal holder and the legal owner. It's like when you buy stock. Your shares are in are, are in street name. They're not in your name. They're in your. They're placed in your account, but you don't really own them. And the um, you know the the brokers actually have the right to vote those shares if they want to. Is that your well, understanding, Al?
5: No, I didn't. I didn't know that was the case. I I know that you know regarding regarding <laughs> the situation with the banking system having been a you know a. a Pretty active director of a bank for over twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of the things that are happening right now, I find to be appalling. But you know, the, the the money that you deposit in a bank, that a person deposits in a bank, is it's not an asset of the bank; it's a liability of the bank. And I was unaware, and I you know I always would be the first person to, to stand to be you know stand corrected. But I was unaware that you did not. Own legally own that money that you that you placed into a bank, and I was also unaware uh, that that when you purchased a share in a company that you weren't the legal owner. I thought you were. I didn't realize that a brokerage firm could, for example, uh, vote your shares without your Mm -hmm. you know without your giving them a proxy. Could be the case, but that's something I
4: haven't heard of, Jay.
2: Yeah, and and the brokers can and do. Lend your shares out uh, for, to short sellers on a regular basis without your authorization. So the point is that I'm sure that the that that the Congress would be mad as hell if they tried to scoop us now. The people would be after their congressmen. You know, if they tried to take our money away from us, there would be people mad as hell, no question about it. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, our good friend Jeff Deist uh, has a good handle on this, and Bob Moriarty, no doubt. Uh, and I'm sure you do too, Al. All I'm saying is that I worry that in a in an age when we seem to have more, or let's say, less uh, attention to to laws, uh, a le- uh, you know a lawless society doesn't necessarily pay attention to what is supposed to be and what is legal. So I I, I don't want to cause alarm, but at the same time, Al, I think people should be aware, and it might not be a bad idea to keep a bit more cash uh, in a safe uh, place in your home than you might have otherwise.
5: A lot of people adhere to that. I know Kathy and I do. We, you know, we uh, we definitely subscribe to that theory. And in, in, in chatting with, for example, Rick Ackerman, and also uh, with Bob, that uh, they are both advocates of having uh, a fairly substantial shoebox, for lack of better terms, you know, that you can get your hands on. And I'm not sure that I would disagree with that. And well, how can I say I disagree with it when, when, when actually we we very much practice uh, practice that particular ritual, for lack of better terms, but. But, you know, Jay, I have to tell you, as you and I were talking off the air, you know, 20 years ago, who would have thought we'd be living in a society that that is as close to potentially being on the edge mm-hmm. of some significant turmoil? I mean, it's just, to, to me, it's, it's frightening, Jay.
2: Yeah, it is, Al. And you know what I see, uh, though, is that the government, and we're going to have Jeff Berwick on this show. Have you ever had Jeff on your show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Jeff, sure. Jeff is going to talk about bitcoins next week. Jeff's been all over uh, the major media here in New York recently to talking about bitcoins with Rick Santelli, a host of other people, and of course, Jeff is uh, you know is an unapologetic. um, What's he call himself? Um, uh, What are these people that throw bombs and do things that are always accused of? um, What's the word? I'm losing.
5: Anarchist, an anarchist yes, thank guy. you he, Jeff is an he, interesting Jeff is an he, interesting guy jeff if i 'm not mistaken, started a very prominent website up in Vancouver or up in Canada called Stockhouse uh-huh. uh, and then proceeded to leave the country and if i 'm not mistaken, Jeff lives in somewhere in Mexico right now or something.
2: Yeah, Jeff lives in Mexico. He uh, is a self-proclaimed anarchist, and uh, as he will describe on my show next week, the real word of anarchist is not what we've conjured up in our minds, uh, because whenever there is some discontent, it's blamed on people that uh you know that the, the there 's always you know anarchist uh, has a very bad connotation in my mind, and I told Jeff I have a hard time getting rid of that, but he explained the root of the word, and it uh you know it's it just means against government essentially but well, uh and I, yeah, Doug Casey is there as well okay. and um and 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 I would argue that our founding fathers to a great extent. Uh, felt that way as well. Uh, but in any event, Jeff is coming on next week to talk about bitcoins, and Jeff makes this whole point that, in fact, governments, uh, um, and, and our founding fathers believed this, that governments were more dangerous, uh, that were potentially the most dangerous uh, thing that, you know, that we can experience, which is why they, they allowed us to have arms. But, uh, but you know, Al, um, the whole thing you were making this point about, you didn't think that we could come to this point. Uh, I think that it's been coming for a long time, but people haven't seen it. Uh, we've had Alana Mercer on this show talking about how, when you take property away from people, you are starting down the road towards taking their very lives away from them. It's just step by step progression. And inflation, once we went off the gold standard, meant that we were starting to have um, we, we were starting to have um, uh, theft essentially through inflation. People don't realize it. I think John Williams' numbers uh, for inflation are much. Uh, more accurate than the governments so i don't know if you you know John Williams you've had him on John, your yeah, show.
5: John was on it John was on our show last week. I got nothing but uh, John Williams is a gentleman who I have nothing but time for. He's a great guy.
2: Yeah, and and so you know John's views on inflation. Well, if you take John's inflation numbers, which are simply taking the same basket of goods and services and comparing them over time, which the government no longer does. They used to do that. Mm-hmm. Then we look at those numbers, and we've never come out of the recession. But the point I'm trying to lead up to in my long-winded way, Al, is that I think... We've had this coming a long time, and the government has taken more and more from us. They increase our taxes one way or another more than we really realize. But now, when they've become desperate in the broad of daylight, they've gone into uh, in Cyprus and they've just said, "Give me your money. You got to mm-hmm. give me your money." And they're just going to take it away from you. And that has, I think, is really going to make people mad as hell. People won't take that because they they don't understand that inflation is doing the same thing. Uh, but um, anyway. Um, that I, I think you're right, Al. I mean, it, it would be hard to to realize ten years ago that we are where we are. Even though conceptually, I think that a lot of us, you and I, believed it was possible. You know, when we're starting to face the potential for for difficult times, it it really does seem more real now, doesn't it?
5: Well, it seems very, very real right now. It's it's what's amazing to me is that. The majority of, of people in certainly in the United States really aren't aware of the potential. I still haven't totally given up hope in the sense that you know the pendulum always has a tendency to swing both ways. Uh, I would, I would have to say right now that you know it's, I mean I'm I'm on record as stating that I don't I don't really. Support much of the of the agenda of the current administration in the United States, and I, you know I, I want to add that I'm not I don't know that the president is a good guy or a bad guy because I've never met him, but I have read his book, you know I've read his material, I've read some of the material that um, that his wife has published, and and I I just simply don't don't agree with it. But that's you know we live in a free country theoretically, and we can agree or disagree with with whatever we want. But I, I'm still hope yep. You know,
2: Wait a minute, Al. You, you mean you're not a communist?
5: Uh, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. I mean, I know you're not, but hopefully well, I'm i know, not. I,
2: I, just... know, I know. Well, I know you're a good Christian, you're a good Catholic, and that means that you want to share what you have with others. Yeah, What's wrong do. with that? Isn't that what Mr. Obama wants us to do? To well, lovingly no, I, care for each other?
5: I, I personally don't want to be mandated to have to do that, you know, as... <laughs> As Congressman Ron Paul told me in the past, and I want to thank you for that introduction, but as he told me in the past, he said, come on, Al, you got to have faith in your fellow man. And to a very large extent, you know, he's certainly not talking about the current administration, but he's saying, you know, uh, he, he's saying I think society in general, if left to their own devices, uh, probably would would function just fine. And and I agree with that. I just don't like the fact, you know, I don't like the fact that the government wants to tell me who I have to support and who I don't have to support, because to me that is really, really far away from what God wanted us to do.
2: Well, I, I think the uh, you are in agreement in that statement with the founders of the uh, of, of our republic. It was supposed to be a republic and not a. Not an empire. Uh, and in fact, um, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of, initially they said property, and they then put in happiness. Well, happiness, uh, if you take people's property and take unlimited amounts of their property, they're probably not going to be very happy because they can't take care of their take care of themselves so I absolutely think you're right about that Al one uh, my engineer is telling me I have only a minute left I can squeeze my own time in the next sector uh, segment a little bit but I want to ask you just we've been through this natural resource you know you and I have been around for more decades than we'd like to admit in the Correct. natural resource sector in, in Vancouver and in Canada this is one of the toughest times I've seen have you seen any tougher times that's the no. first question second lay do you think we're about or do you think it's the worst is
6: over?
5: Number one, I, I have never seen times as difficult as this. Number two, we devoted a two hours a two hour show to this topic uh, two weeks ago with Rick Rule and John Embry, uh, and a fellow by the name of John Wheeler. And I have to tell you, I think the worst of it is over. Uh, I firmly believe that, and that was all substantiated by the guests on our show.
2: Well I think this is a, a good a, a good way to end it, Al, because uh, people can go to your website again. It's the K it's Kereport.com and can they is that archived? They can go back and oh, listen it is. to that yep. show. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Yep, of course it is. That might be a good one to listen to. Uh, those are outstanding people. Uh we've had uh well Rick's been on this show. I haven't had John Embry, but uh Yeah, I I would suggest to my listeners, they go to KE Report and and listen to that interview because I'm sure there's a lot of good information, a lot of good advice there. Al, we are out of time. I want to thank you very much for coming on with me.
5: Thanks, Jay.
2: I will look to do it again sometime soon, I hope. Folks, don't go away. I'll I'll be right back with a few closing thoughts uh, on today's show and uh, a word about next week's guest. Don't go away. I'll be right back.
4: Gold is a U.S.-based
6: exploration company with multi-million ounce advanced stage gold and silver projects in the mining-friendly jurisdictions of Nevada and northern Mexico. Backed by a strategic investor and a strong balance sheet, an experienced management team has completed preliminary economic assessments on both projects, showing robust economics and immense potential for increasing ounces and mine life. For more information, go to ParamountGold.com or follow on Twitter, PZG News.
5: This program is brought to you by Sandgold at www.sandgold.ca. Sandgold is an aggressive gold company operating in Manitoba, Canada, a top-10 gold mining region. Sandgold continues to show tremendous exploration success. With two mines already in production, the company is now revealing a new gold mining trend. Discover the potential at Sandgold. Trading symbol SGRCF on the OTCQX and SGR on the Toronto Exchange. Visit our website at www. Zangol.ca
0: You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host Jay Taylor.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and uh, I just want to sort of go over our discussions that we've had today on the show uh, with uh, a number of guests, uh, starting with Chris Martinson. Um, I really have come to appreciate Chris and his work and his view uh, of the world. You know, um, what we try to do on this show, what I try to do on this show and in my life uh, as much as possible, uh, is try to examine the truth. and I say that you know a little hesitatingly because I know that there are aspects of the truth, the truth, uh, that I don't like. Uh, there are a lot of things that I would rather not hear. Uh, my wife tells me it's time to shut off the computer and come upstairs and go to bed. Sometimes I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear a lot of things about um, the reality of the life we live in. Well, I think what Chris Martinson is talking about is big picture reality. Where are we uh, as a global uh, community it, that is growing exponentially? And when you start to look at the fact that uh, you know that it's that's very difficult now to find high-grade ores, for example, it's very difficult to find oil and energy sources that are easy to get to and easy to harvest. It's becoming increasingly expensive to do that. Uh, and, you know, Chris's example was that the copper grades, uh, where they used to be maybe 10% copper uh, in the early days when they started mining copper, and now we're looking at, uh, you know, two-tenths of 1% a lot of times, uh, cutoff grades are below that even uh, in these big major deposits, these big porphyry deposits. Uh, so it's getting more and more difficult, physically difficult, to pull these natural resources out of the Earth's crust at the same time, the population is growing exponentially, uh, and the demands are growing even faster than that because you have a whole part of the world, the East, China, and, and other developing countries that are looking to the West and thinking they should have the same kind of living standards, the same kind of life and convenience that we've enjoyed for the last 50, 100, 200 years in America and, and the Western world. So. Chris's concerns, I think, are right, are very, very accurate. I think he's very right to be concerned. And what he's done, his view is that he needs, uh, better to take, to be proactive and to get ahead of the curve and to live the way you want as much as possible, uh, making concessions to this reality than to have government force you to do it. That's his point. And I think his book, The Crash Course, is an excellent book to read. Uh, it's an easy read. It's full of excellent advice. Uh, I would also go back to the week before Ellen Brown's excellent book web of debt and you know i've I've gone back and looked a little bit at the bank of of um, the Bank of North Dakota which is a state owned bank and you know as a capitalist i'm not crazy about government owned things but I have to admit in looking at this at this uh, at the financials for this company it's doing very well it's providing um, capital for the people, for the businesses in North uh, Dakota uh it's uh wage earners or uh it's it's employees are doing quite well they're not living filthy rich like the Goldman Sachs JP Morgan guys are in New York but they're pulling down reasonably good salaries and uh, i you know i have a hard time finding fault with the bank of north dakota and i want to support ellen brownmore in her efforts and and have her on the show more often but back to today's guest then eric reyes was here to help us uh with um, connect with some of the things that we need and i would really suggest that you go to j JT- Taylor Media, J A Y Taylor Media, and click in the All in One Preparedness, uh, the All in One Preparedness site there on the banner, and it will take you right to that site. And you can see what is available at All in One Preparedness, and you can even get a five percent discount if you put in the code Taylor thirteen when you go there. Uh, more to the practical, to the everyday uh, life that we have to face so far as the world continues to function. Let's hope and pray that it continues to function as well as it has been. We had David Gerwitz with us of Charles Nanner and Company. And uh, this is a service, I think, that may be very worth paying attention to. I'm going to be following Charles Nanner's uh, advice here. I'm going to be looking at it and studying it. David Gerwitz is a very talented man who I expect to have on, and Charles Nanner hopefully as well in the near future. Uh, also, um, then, it was just really good to talk to my old friend, Al Corlin, and uh, maybe we'll be doing more of this in the future, some uh, exchanges back and forth because he is a good friend and he has a lot of good insights and he has an excellent radio show, uh, keeconomics.com. And uh, just a word about next week's guest. We are going to uh, be talking to Jeff Berwick. Jeff Berwick uh, will be with us. uh, Jonathan Moore uh, from the I.I. Conferences will put, be putting on and talking about the New York Conference. It's coming up very shortly. Uh, and Curtis Ellis, uh, he's going to talk about one world government uh, move that Mr. Obama is trying to sneak in. And, and Curtis Ellis, who uh, worked as a producer uh, for a major television uh, star in New York City, will be with us next week uh, to talk about that. Well, I want to thank Tacey Trump, my producer. Um, I want to thank Uh, Matt Widener, my engineer, for making the show logistically possible. Thanks to each of you for listening. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you.
0: Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor.